Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited you're back with us. We have Oleg Lohid today sharing his story of overcoming adversity from the very start of his life. So Oleg, at nine years old, he relinquished his parents' rights and entered a Russian orphanage. At 12 years old, he decided to be adopted into a new family in a new country, halfway across the world, to start a new life. And at 24 years old, he began his journey of helping others live the life they have always dreamed of, despite their hardships and misfortunes, by allowing them to recognize the uniqueness and worth within their own story. Oleg, thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. When I met you instantaneously, I was both incredibly intrigued and totally inspired by you. I honestly don't know that if I went through the same situation that I would be as positive and encouraging and passionate as you. I think you had every opportunity and in some ways every right to be a victim, to feel bad about your circumstances and to allow that to define you, but you have not. And again, I admire you and I can't wait to dive into your story, which is hard. It's really tough to hear. But I know this will be touching for everyone listening and encouraging because I'm sure there's bits and pieces of your story that all of us can relate to in some way, or maybe our kids can relate to. Maybe they're going through similar trials and challenges and can find inspiration in your story. So let's start out at the very beginning. You were born into a very difficult situation. Can you tell us about all the challenges you experienced just in the first 12 years of your life? Absolutely. When I think about my first 12 years of my life, in comparison to the other 15 that I've been able to experience, they're a complete opposite. And what I mean by that is being born into the circumstances where my mother was an alcoholic, my father was in prison, and my sister, who was 18 years older, actually was my legal guardian due to those circumstances was a very challenging experience. It was a very challenging experience for a couple reasons. First one is not really understanding the fact that why is it that my parents are not able to take care of me? Why is it that I'm not able to receive certain elements of parenting that kids are able to love, caring, nurturing? And why was it, why was all of that temporary? What I mean by that was especially in my mom's case, there's still memories and flashbacks that I experienced where she would come home or home, wherever home was, and I would see her and 99% of the time she was always drunk. But yet she would always have the time to sit down with me and say, son, I'll change tomorrow. And what I realized over time was that it just became a phrase that she used. That's it. There was no actual significant effort behind those words. And from that very moment, and actually part of who I am today, I became very aware of the fact that words not only can create worlds, but they can also destroy worlds. What I mean by that is that inner world, the inner world of mine that I had lived in and I aspired for, and I looked for hope in those words. I looked for a possibility for that better day and a better future that if she were to change, well, then maybe 
whatever resentment my sister had towards her because of the fact that she wasn't able to take care of us, that we would actually be under one roof again. And so when I think about those challenges and the situations where I was put, or maybe I put myself in, where there was so much mental and physical abuse that just happened, not to me, but more so to my mom and to my sister, and everyone else was involved a part of that journey. I found it very difficult, but that's where I think I also found an opportunity. And that is, I believe when I was that young kid, I had realized that if I wanted to create a better future for myself, it has to start with me. I have to step into it. I have to take ownership of it. I may have to give up my childhood in order to go into adulthood. There's a phrase that I, I, I definitely did not steal, but I'm choosing to borrow it. Let me put it mm-hmm. that way. It's a video with Oprah. And Oprah shares her story of early upbringing. And in that story, she says something along the lines of that one of the reasons why she was able to get through the challenges in her childhood is because she continued to look for a better day and believe in a better future. When I think of the world, I realized that when I was younger, I didn't look at the world for what it was, but rather for what I aspired it to be. I've always had this mindset of possibility and optimism that no matter what happens, there's going to be a brighter day. That is an incredible amount of wisdom for a preteen. Most of us never reach those kinds of conclusions, even through our entire lives. Again, I admire that that's the perspective you had in that moment. And you didn't even know different. You know, that's what you entered into. And as you said, your sister was pretty resentful of, of both her situation and relationship with your mom, but she became your mom, essentially, at uh-huh. least chief caregiver at the age of 18. So what was that relationship like between you two? It was different. It was different in terms of, I certainly did not look at her as my mom, but I was able to understand certain situations where she was the sole provider and she was the only person caring for me. You know, for me, what it what it did was it created a rather interesting situation because I felt that I was that rock stuck between two islands. And yet I was trying to connect those two islands together. My sister lived in one place. My mom lived in another. And even though my sister advocated for me to stay with her because she had felt that if I stayed with her, which was a more stable environment, that I would have a higher possibility of turning into something or anything mm-hmm. rather than living with my mom. But I didn't accept that as a reality. I still kept running away from her to go see my mom, to make sure that she's okay, and to try and fix her in order to fix all of us. What I realized over time, and maybe this is one of the hidden lessons that my mom unspokenly passed to me, is that you can't fix other people. Mm-hmm. You can't change other people. You can only fix yourself. And then from there, be an example for someone else to do the same. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about my mom through that lens, one of the things that I've also noticed is that all of the anger that I had towards her for not being able to take care of me and consciously putting ourselves or my sister and I in situations where we were at risk. I realized that in giving her lessons and takeaways 
I actually was able to forgive her. I was able to forgive her on so many different levels. I was able to forgive her for the way that the society wanted me to view her, mm-hmm. irresponsible, alcoholic, and you, you name the, the others. But that's what I've learned is that for however many years, I did look at her through that lens. But then I realized that in a way, I was not only taking away time from her, but I was also taking away time from myself. I was taking away time from other people that I could open up to. And especially those that I was able to see elements of my mom that were positive. And I realized that I, I did not want to live that life. So when you, when you talk about that concept of positivity, that was a conscious choice that I made. I made a conscious choice to live a more positive lifestyle, not in comparison to anyone else, but mm-hmm. in comparison to myself. I didn't want to relive some of those past circumstances through the same exact lens. Rather, I wanted to look at all of those circumstances as something that I could learn from and identify lessons and actually become a better person through those actions. Mm-hmm. And you've certainly lived that out in your life and you're fulfilling that goal mm-hmm. every day. So what were the circumstances of you entering an orphanage when you were nine? It was difficult. It was difficult because I don't think I fully understood what that setting was going to be like. I was told that the orphanage was going to be in a way my second home. I was going to have friends to play with, toys, roof over my head, food on the table, essentially music to my ears, mm-hmm. everything that I wanted to hear at that particular moment. When I went into it, there was a degree of truth when it came to that. There were those things, but there was also a significant amount of rules and regulations. And that concept of family was really not what a family is. A caregiver is not your mother. And in situations where I had developed a strong relationship with them, there was still that divide. There were still certain things that I knew I couldn't go to them and talk about. One of the things that I think played in my favor significantly when I came to the orphanage is I quickly understood that if I followed the rules and I behave to the best of my ability, I might be able to create my own rules. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you, you talk about, you see this often in school, mm-hmm. the, the kids that become the favorites for the teachers. Yeah. I knew I had to become that. Like I had to become that in order to be able to possibly get away with certain things. Mm. So the times when I ran away at the beginning, it was a little bit harder, but when I ran away to go see my family, no, I was punished afterwards when I came back, but there were other situations where I did. And so to say broke the rules where I just had a conversation. That's it. The punishment was not severe. I was no longer reported to the director or the social worker that were very abusive to the kids. And so I just, I realized that it was in my advantage to learn a system as best as I can, because every system has its loopholes. No system is done to perfection. So in learning that at the orphanage, it taught me a lot. One other thing I'll mention about the orphanage and my experience there of living there for three years, as much as I wanted to look at that place as this horrific environment, it was that place of opportunity for me, without a doubt. It taught me things about myself. It taught me a level of discipline that I don't know if I would have learned 
it taught me how to be a caring and responsible person. Mm. How do you mop the floors? How do you clean the dishes? How do you sew your socks if you have a hole in them? All life skills that are part of my life right now. The other thing that it has helped me with was, I believe it was my second year in there. One of the things we were required to do was be a part of some sort of music lesson. And I remember initially it just started off as classes and for the first couple of weeks, and maybe this is true for all teenagers, I did not want to do it. That sounds like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a rebel when it came to it. I just, mm-hmm. I did not want to do it. I didn't want mm-hmm. to follow the rules. I didn't want to be told to do certain things. I wanted to have it on my own terms. But then what I realized over time was that I was actually relatively good at it. And so within that year, I believe of just continuous practice, our orphanage then started to perform and compete amongst other schools at the orphanages. And I remember actually winning prizes, bicycles and cameras and things like that. And to me, I was winning a million bucks. But to the outside world, it's just toys or $25 purchases. But what I realized over time was that had it not been for that opportunity through the orphanage, I don't know if I would have ever figured out that hidden talent of mine that did end up bringing me to the United States, that did put me in front of families who were looking to adopt kids, and that did eventually place me into that family. So... As difficult as it is, and maybe to many of the listeners of your show, I look at adversity through the lens of what am I here to learn and what is this here to teach me? Because every single event, every single circumstance has value. The question becomes, can you see that value? That's so powerful and hard to see, right? You have to train your brain to think that way just remarkable to me that again, you're, we're talking about, you were 10 and 11 years old when you were thinking like this, when you were approaching the world like this, as you just mentioned by touring with your choir from the Mm -hmm. orphanage, your American family, that's actually how they came to know about you. And you were adopted by them at the age of 12, came to America And in many ways, that would seem like an incredibly positive, game-changing moment for you. And it was in many ways. But interestingly enough, you shared with me that people said, oh, you probably won't make it. Uh And that people set the bar very low for you. How did that make you feel? How did you deal with that? I mean, in this moment that you had been waiting for and then... That's what you hear from people? It was very difficult to hear those things, without a doubt. It was difficult to hear those things, but also to internalize them as possible realities and possible truths. What I realized over time, well beyond the orphanage system, is that in many situations, in my opinion, when people pass on such projections onto you, as far as, oh, don't worry if you don't make it any farther, or you've done your best, it oftentimes has to do with their own limitations and their own self-limiting beliefs and their own possibilities of what the future could be. To date, I've been told that it's impossible, you can't do it, you won't make it thousands, maybe millions of times by people. And even in situations where people do understand the different things that I was able to make it through. 
So in my opinion, I think that thing comes from maybe misunderstanding or maybe a deep insecurity of what if this person makes it. And that goes back to comparison. I know this is something that is very evident in especially today's society is the tendency to compare ourselves to other people. Social media, I think to a degree plays a big role. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to sit here and, and bash social media because I do think that there are positive aspects to it as well. Mm-hmm. But I think creating a narrative where in a way I call it the highlight reel and that's just, everything's perfect. There are no sad days. There are no days when you're tired. You're always go, go, go. Everything's focused on results. When in reality, I think much of this journey for me, the destination is the journey. It's not vice versa. When you came to America, you spoke Russian. You did not know any English, yet you refused help from the American-Russian members of your community. Uh And you shared with me that your reasoning behind that decision was that you just wanted to blend in as much as you could. You wanted to be normal. And then you also reflected with me that most of the people in your ESL classes were years younger than you. Mm -hmm. And you described feeling embarrassed and wondering what was wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So as a result, it took you years to feel like you could effectively communicate. And I, I just, again, I cannot imagine Uh, you know, you were going to school, you were with a new family and you didn't have a way of expressing yourself effectively. So what was that all like? And do you still support your decision (laughs) to not get the extra help? I do. And the reason why is because for me, looking back at my past and choosing to have regrets about certain things, it just, it doesn't really make sense because it doesn't, allow me to fully be me. Rather, I'll be sitting there and thinking about certain elements within my past that I wish I could have changed, but in reality, none of them I can change. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that journey and coming here and being given that support, understanding that there are resources as far as translators and things like that, and the reason why I didn't want to do it is because I struggled asking for help. I struggled even with the whole concept of help. And still, to a degree, there are certain elements that are challenging to ask for help. And the reason why is because the society does not look at help as a sign of strength. It looks at it as a sign of weakness. Whenever you ask someone for assistance in X, Y, and Z, it's perceived that you're weak, that you don't have things figured out. And there's also, I think, a stigma that carries with age, that by a certain age, you have to have certain things figured out. By the time you're 20, you've got to have this. By the time you're 30, you better have a family and kids and a dog. And by the time you're 40, you can talk about some of the other things. So there's there's this expectation that gets created around age groups. And I think that played a big role because I was in an age where I felt that, how could I ask for help? I'm not a toddler anymore. I have to figure this out. And the other thing was I didn't see other people asking for help around me. So my environment in a way was not supporting my own inner confidence and ability to ask other people for help. Wow. So a big takeaway I'm getting from that right now is that as a mom, Mm -hmm. 
I need to show that vulnerability in front of my kids and ask for help in front of my kids so I can um, destigmatize that. Yeah. It's, it's a big thing. It, it really is. It's a big thing. And I'll also mention that at 27 years old, I realized that this concept of asking for help, it's not only a challenge for those that are younger. It's mm-hmm. a challenge for people who are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that I speak to on a daily basis. And Absolutely. for me, asking for help, it's just like training any other muscle of your body. It's choosing to practice it. It's choosing to step in it as much as you can. The other thing I'll mention is this. When I was at that age and having the difficulties that I did in communicating, not only with those within my school, but also my parents. At first, I believe two years, the only way we could communicate was through very, very early version of Google Translate. So you could imagine what that was like. Not and that great. Exactly. <laughs> Paper dictionary. Wow. Imagine trying to communicate with your parents as a teenager with a paper dictionary. Just letting that sink in. Good luck. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very challenging journey because as I tell the story even today, in the way I was learning two languages at the same time, the language mm-hmm. of a teenager as well as English. And so it was very problematic One other thing that I'll say as a small disclaimer is that the person that I am today, as far as someone who has these perspectives and insights, was not the same person 15 years ago. I went through the challenges. I went through the struggles. I went through the outbursts. I went through the times where I stood in front of my mom and both of us screamed at each other at the top of our lungs because we didn't understand each other. I went through therapy. I went through those classes where I would sit in there, as as you mentioned, and I would be surrounded by kids who are six or seven years younger. And the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt that I felt as far as what's wrong with me. Why am I in in the same situation as a kid who's learning how to use the coloring book? So those are the things that make me the person that I am today. And those are the perspectives that give me the knowledge that Whatever the past circumstances I might have experienced, I do not have to be defined by them. Those are the things I had to go through. And I'm very fortunate to be in this position where I can extract the lessons learned, where I can look at it through the lens of, okay, I felt embarrassed, but why? Mm. Why was that a challenging situation? Who cares if anyone looked at me differently? And those are very critical lessons to take away moving forward. Because as I step into it, as I'm sure you're aware of it, when you put yourself out there more, you're going to open yourself up to other people's perspectives. Mm -hmm. And not every perspective is going to give you a five-star rating. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. You're going to get some one-stars. You're going to get some negative feedback. But there's an important lesson, and I think there are important lessons within our childhood that can teach us moving forward. How did we choose to embrace ourselves on that playground is the same exact way that we can choose to embrace ourselves now in this playground. The sandbox just changed. That's it. As parents, how do we foster that mindset in our kids? I think you just got to be you. I think you have to be you and you have to live out who you really are. So be very genuine, all parts of it in front of your kids and be examples of that so that they 
see that example and then can process that in their own way. I mean, because the the whole, my heart behind Mothers of Misfits uh-huh. is the fact that we are all beautiful, wonderful, perfect misfits. Uh-huh. There is no fit in. There is no one size fits all. And that can be very hard though for, as you said, adults to even appreciate about themselves, but especially kiddos. And you are definitely a misfit in many, many ways, but you have embraced that. So is that the key as parents to developing that in our kids is by embracing our own misfit selves? Mm -hmm. One other thing I'll mention in regard to that is, once again, this is my opinion of it, but fix yourself before fixing others. Mm -hmm. I think one of the challenges of parents, and I'm speaking from a not-parent background here, full disclaimer. <laughs> but At the same time, though, you have a lot of conversation about parenting because mm-hmm. of your experiences. So you do have some authority on this in the sense of though it's not your life experience, you're having regular conversations about parenting. Mm-hmm. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to add that in there because I know this is an important topic for you. Mm-hmm. So please, what the, go on ahead. The thought that I had in regard to parents and choosing to fix yourself before fixing others, especially when it comes to kids, is that from a kid perspective, I can see everything. And I can see things that you may not be able to see. Kids, in a way, I think are probably one of the best reflections of who we are because they give it to you straight up. They don't sugarcoat it. They don't sit there and try and find the right words. They just tell you. And there's, it, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. It's a double-edged sword whether or not you want to hear that truth about your own actions and your own perspectives or not. The thing that I've learned is this, when it comes to parenting, because there is such a great sense of responsibility, there is sometimes that tendency of wanting to change and fix the individual or the child or help them in the best way that they, that you can. The thing that's beautiful about that journey is that even though there is a level of caring and love that you may not be able to replicate in other relationships, at the end of the day, they're human beings, their own entities. They, they, they're going to operate the way that they do. Some of the conversations I've had with people who are parents, you know, the focus is on the child, maybe as it should be. But at the same time, I think the focus on self is equally as important. Because you're, you're meant to grow. You're meant to evolve. Evolution doesn't stop. Change is inevitable. And so the question becomes, are you willing to become a participant of that change? Or are you going to let it happen to you? That is oh, all. I mean, I'm just digesting everything you're saying <laughs> and processing. And, and as you're saying it, I'm thinking about my own mindset, my own way of parenting and I'm really taking in these challenges very honestly. And, you know, I think that change being inevitable is actually a great thing because that means we can make tomorrow better. And as you've said so many times, our circumstances today do not have to define our circumstances tomorrow. And in that way, change is wonderful. Change is a rebirth and change is you know, not always under our control, but how we respond to the change is. So Oleg, what's in store for you? Uh, You shared with me some kind of neat things that are going on in your world, but what can we be on the lookout for? 
I think the closest thing that we have as far as something that's coming up, it's an event or an experience that we're putting together. Mm. It's called Survive to Thrive, A Parent's Journey. And what that experience is about is the desire to create a space for other parents to be able to come together, relate, and also understand each other's journeys as well as those surrounding them, that there are challenges and that there have been challenges due to COVID and whatever else that has happened. But the beauty of it is I think through the collective effort, we're able to overcome and work through those challenges. And so that's really what that's about. And for anyone that's interested, they can find all the details through our website at overcomingodds.today. But beyond that, for me, I spend most of my time speaking as much as I can in order to be able to just help other people in whatever way that I can. At the same time, I'm also choosing to focus on myself, I think, through those speaking engagements, because at the end of the day, if I'm not bettering myself, then I don't believe I'm bettering others. If I'm not changing, if I'm not learning, if I'm not growing, then how can I expect the same things to happen of other people? Exactly. That goes right back to what you were saying. Be the example, be the role model. And we will be sure to link to the details of that event on your episode page. So you can go to mothersofmisfits.com, click on the episodes, you'll see Oleg's page, you'll have that information there. We'll also include more event details on the um, episode insider newsletter that goes out when your episode goes live. So folks, if you have not signed up for that yet, go to mothersofmisfits.com, scroll to the bottom, sign up for the newsletter. We give you lots of extra insider info about the guests every week. You get to see pictures of them and just get some more information about what's going on in the world and how you can learn more about them. And again, we just scratched the surface of Oleg's story. (laughs) And I'm sure Oleg has just scratched the surface of his impact that he has yet to continue to make Mm -hmm. in the world. So Oleg, thank you for inspiring us today. Thank you for being so open about all of your life experiences, both the good and the bad. And I cannot wait to see where you go from here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thank you for creating a space for other people to be able to better understand themselves, but also be appreciated through their own stories. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.